everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Fish Out of Water. Um, this is the podcast for Holy Rod Studio where we talk about everything from um, the work that we do to the questions that we have, but mostly it's about creating a platform to showcase some of the amazing voices and people that we know, either the members that are a part of our community or the collaborators and partners that we have um, as an organization. And so today, we are speaking with the gorgeous Allegra. Say hi, Allegra. Hey. <laughs> hey. So um, as uh, you all may or may not know, we met Allegra through CSI, the Center for Social Innovation. And actually, it was one of our last in-person events that we had. True. It was a salon where um, Allegra invited Holyrad and its members to come in and talk a little bit about um, what it's like to be uh, an artist and an entrepreneur, um, navigating the affordability and how to price yourself and all the many issues that we like to discuss um, at Holyrad, but also at CSI. So welcome, Allegra. And also for those of you who are new to Holyrad Studio, I'm Daryl. I'm the founder. Um, let me turn the camera this way. <laughs> I'm still new with Instagram, okay. And we've got Allegra, hi, what's up? And then we've got Saskia here. Saskia, you wanna introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Saskia, I'm the um, Content and Operations Director at Holy Red. Yay, okay, cool, and who do we got here? Hi, I'm Elena, I'm Director of Research and Development. Elena's got her podcast voice going. Yeah. Nice it's like, and I know, slow. when we talk in person, we're like, That's not what you sound like before the podcast starts. No, <laughs> talk very fast. It's like our late night R&B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Allegra, my love, why don't you introduce yourself to um, everybody here on uh, Twitch and Instagram? Hey, everyone. First of all, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, obviously such a big fan of what you have going over it. Holy Rad, so I'm just excited to be here and chat and kind of um, interact with your community. Um, but I'm Allegra, I am a musician, a singer-songwriter, and a community builder. I currently work at the Center for Social Innovation, uh, where I my title is Community Animator. Uh, and so in a pre-COVID world, uh, we work out of a space that's in Chelsea, all the way over on the west side. Um, that's kind of like a co-working space, a launch pad, um, and a community for social entrepreneurs. So that's different entrepreneurs who are either working in like a for-profit or a non-profit business model, but everybody has a social impact leaning mission. And really my job there um, is and was to obviously build community, but doing that through kind of like thought leadership, um, uplifting the voices of different innovators, and then also kind of innovating ourselves, how we are contributing to this world of, of social innovation. So um, I think the arts and social innovation go hand in hand, you know, artists move culture and, and um, you kind of get to decide in what way, uh, which is a really powerful and exciting thing to be a part of. So for me, it's all kind of integrated and very uh, aligned with, I think, what you're, what you're working on at Holy Red. Amazing. So Allegra, what led you to um, CSI to begin with? Like, how did you end up there and, and working for, for CSI originally? Yeah, I think that... Um, the artistic journey <laughs> that one has kind of um i had always studied music and human rights kind of side by side those are my two kind of points of interest and in coming to new york after college um navigating in so many ways doing as people do nannying and waitressing and kind of um finding that it wasn't for me personally like 
uh, it was kind of deadening my creative impulse a bit and needing to get back into a space that no matter what I was doing, it was kind of, uh, you know, feeding my ability to ideate <laughs> and just to, to think. Um, and so I ended up working in a startup that was a fashion startup. Um, but, and I loved kind of like entrepreneurial culture and startup culture, but I just was not moved by like profit margins on denim. Like it wasn't getting me going in a day. Um, so I kind of reevaluated and came back to, um, you know, hip hop, which is a huge interest of mine. And through some online stalking, found this amazing woman called Martha Diaz. And she is kind of a pioneer in the hip hop education world and culturally relevant pedagogy. And I stalked her and got, um, her on the phone and then started working with her. And she really opened my eyes to the whole world of social entrepreneurship um, and the entertainment industry and kind of where those two things intersect. She's like incredibly connected on both, both ends of those spectrums. Um, so she was a real inspiration. And through her, I kind of, yeah, I was just brought into this network of social entrepreneurs that use art as their um, kind of lens and then kind of got all caught up in it and eventually came um, to CSI to, yeah, be in a, an environment of innovators, which is, I think, the real crux of what makes me uh, tick, whether it's like through art or other other ways. Yeah. So can you speak to at all, Allegra, the work that you do and how it, because I think something that all four of us resonated in and so is sort of like when we've encountered issues as artists, we actually have decided to take on a career path to solve some of those issues. So speaking to sort of social entrepreneurship, I think something that's unique to your experience, Allegra, is that you are an artist and that at your, your, your identity as an artist, as a musician is actually what made you interested in social entrepreneurship. Because I think from outside of the art world, social entrepreneurship is kind of you know a, a topic of conversation in the world of economics or yeah. in sort of like yeah. you know small business capitalism and things mm -hmm. like that and so it's more about like NGOs mm -hmm. or doing good and doing business like a mm -hmm. Tom Shoes or a Warby Parker mm -hmm. but really we're talking about something different so Allegra maybe you can speak to some of the struggles you experienced and why social entrepreneurship was such a, a solution for you I think in response to some of those struggles mm. yeah I mean, I think the struggle ultimately as an artist is finding your niche, finding your voice, and then maintaining your integrity in those things. I think that's the, the struggle. Um, and uh, New York is a, is a big landscape and there's lots of different things going on and kind of in trying to maintain what felt true to me, I didn't really see that there was a space for that. And so I think when you don't see that there's, and, and what feels true to me is something where artists can kind of, as I said, like have integrity and make a living and not be so drawn into the forces of the market that you are, the sacrifice is so great, you know what I mean, to your soul. <laughs> um, so I think uh, it's this, Martha really opened my eyes to the, gave me permission to um know that like my understanding of what i want the world to be is within my hands to build and that was huge 
I never, I was always somebody who like wanted to achieve. And I think that she um, really was like, helped me shift my paradigm on on what that kind of meant. And um, just took no prisoners, didn't ask for permission and inspired me that you can really build what you want to exist. Um, and that other people in positions of power don't actually know more than you. And I think that's the, that's also the, the huge shift, especially if you are somebody who wants to achieve and be validated for your achievement, shifting to like an accept and accepting that you might not be validated is, um, really difficult. Uh, but when you see mentors and people doing that, it feels possible. Mm. I like her. We have a viewer here who wants to know Martha's last name, just to look her up. Diaz. Diaz. D-I-A-Z. And um, she's incredible. We worked together on this thing called the Hip Hop Education Center, but she started her career at Yo! MTV Raps and then kind of moved to LA and was really integral in a lot of that like initial hip hop film uh, industry that was building. And then wasn't a huge fan about kind of the direction the industry was going in. And so she stepped back and really, uh, if, if y'all are like hip hop fans, you know, there's like five elements of hip hop. The fifth element of hip hop is knowledge of self. And so that's really where she uh, wanted to take it back to and uh, really started just working in the communities and building in those ways. And now um, is working with the Universal Hip Hop Museum, um, which is in the Bronx, if anybody's interested in that. It's, it's recently opened and I also met another uh, mentor through her Summer McCoy who's like amazing she works at BAM but she's also started um, a mixtape museum which is basically archiving um, mixtapes as an art form and kind of the way that that the mixtape culture built the hip-hop music industry and all of these things and it's it's also both of them are Martha's also an archiver so she works with like Tupac's estate a lot of different estates to kind of archive their um history because that's also like a whole very important aspect of like building equity and storytelling is like is history being archived how is it being archived who's telling the stories and so both of them are very invested in like the pioneers of that art form telling their own story so that to me was also really inspiring of just like yeah like you just like take it just take it and um I'm still growing kind of like into that role but that's that's um where I ultimately would love to go. Yeah. I mean, the role of the artist kind of reminds me of what we spoke with Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to um, pick up on something you were saying, Allegra, about, um, you know, working in social entrepreneurship or working as an artist and trying, setting out with a mission and a mission that is like to do good and moving to New York and always, you know, inevitably sometimes being led astray from that mission or, you know, kind of, cheating your way to pursue the mission or you know not treating workers fairly on your way there you know mistreating employees but it's always for the greater mission do you think you could speak to some of your members at CSI because I know that you have like quite a hands-on relationship with the social entrepreneurs and the artists that come there like what is the sort of mentoring aspect of CSI with its members and is that something that you address with them Mm, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's such a big question, because it's such a, it's such like, um, an unlearning that it requires to actually practice that. And I think that um, I do think that is our value at CSI. And 
Andrew, who was on your podcast, um, is also part of that community. So he he's enlightened me to so much um, around these ideas. And something we spoke about recently was this idea of kind of like horizontal leadership, which really appeals to me. Um, and I think also meaning that like it isn't decisions aren't being made in like one by one person they're being made across a team and and kind of coming away from these ideals of like power and one person being on top and climbing the ladder a lot of these things that like are really valued within our society and we're we're taught it it means to be successful um and so i think that uh you know within our entrepreneurs uh there's a lot of people just trying trying to navigate how to do that effectively and i would say um amir i don't know if you all have ever met amir but amir um yandali he is a futurist and his whole kind of cause sector is environmental sustainability and so he's created kind of this umbrella concept organization called future meets present and a lot of what he does is he creates um, like almost scenarios that are the future as he would like it to be. So like one thing that he does is he does um, the culminating event for climate week called uh, the marketplace of the future. So you go in and every vendor is sustainable, like the design, like it's down to a T of kind of like almost almost like a visceral experience that you could step into an imagined future as he would like it to be and obviously now that covid is upon us how can we do a physical marketplace like that can't happen and so kind of the innovation that has come out of that um is really cool and we are also doing some of this at, at csi but essentially he's partnered with this um other organization that has created created this like interactive 2d platform so like you enter into the platform with an avatar and you can walk around and you can move and they actually take architectural designs of different spaces and um copy them to a virtual world it, it, it sounds wild because it it actually is but you so you enter into this virtual space you can walk around with your little avatar and then as you come close to others a video pops up and then you can interact. So it's almost like this way of having that engagement, um, but not being physically together. And so then like the potential of that to build a marketplace, for example, where you could like walk around into different stalls and then it pops up with someone's website or like the vendor is physically there, um, all of these things. And so it's complicated. Obviously it takes a huge amount of capacity, human capacity to build that type of thing. To your question, Saskia, it's coming full circle, um, which is that I think we talk a lot at CSI about co-collaboration and really what that means to build something alongside others. And his kind of takeaway um, from that and advice, which I thought was really valuable, was this idea of co-ownership, right? It's not just co-collaboration, it's co-ownership. And then how that shifts people's like level of involvement and excitement. And, you know, the question is then, well, how do you scale that? Like if there's so many people involved and there's no leader, like how are we making it bigger and better and greater and all these things? And I think that's still a question. Like, I don't have a sil silver bullet answer for that, but his kind of like explanation was that like, and I, this was really powerful for me, was that like the basis of co-collaboration is shared vision. 
-hmm. like you have to you have to have shared vision so it's like the vision can grow because it has to be shared from the foundation of working together and so those are just some ways that some of our members are kind of like dealing in this way of subverting traditional systems to build what they need and want to see yeah I think it's why, though, we really have, speaking of shared visions, right, the shared vision, I think, between CSI and Holy Rad, but all four of us as individuals, as artists, as writers, as creators, and community organizers, is that our belief is that the people who are, who are, who have an established sort of, like, approach to innovation are artists, Mm -hmm. and so what role does the artistic process play in innovation sort of especially backdropped against maybe more of like a scientific approach right so the merging of those two worlds I think is something that CSI really has in just the dynamic range of its membership but something that I think really resonated in the first time we met with you Allegra is your belief that artists actually are great examples of innovators who can respond to things like a global pandemic yeah. Yeah. and be able to think of a, a, a creative response. And mm-hmm. it's less about answering the question out the gate of is this scalable, but doing it anyways and adapting as you go along. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because when we design in response to something, we also are solving other problems. I mean, mm-hmm. thinking about this um, member of yours, I forget his name, um, but he's the futurist, sorry, yes, um, that he's imagining a future where we can still have the same sort of social cues as interacting mm-hmm. in a physical space, but in a safe way in response to COVID. But the wonderful thing about that is all of a sudden that marketplace is now available to anybody in the world. Exactly. Right? And so if it was in a physical space, there are some limitations yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are benefits to having it really local. There are benefits to in-person interaction. I mean, we have dedicated our lives to yeah. the activation and placemaking of third spaces. However, um, innovation is something that I think is is inherently inside of the artistic process and the artistic experience. But what sometimes we experience with our artists is they don't necessarily see themselves that way. And that's something that Andrew spoke about in our podcast interview with him. And just to let you guys know, we'll link that yeah. podcast in, in, yeah. in the captions below. But Andrew, we actually met at the first salon we had at CSI with you. And that's a part of his his mission is to recognize that the artistic process yeah. has just as much integrity, validity, and contribution as the scientific process, if not more. And I would think right now, if you don't adapt, like you're not, you, you know, you adapt or die. Like, you know, the artist is needed even more now because it really can go outside the box and be thinking of these kind of like, you know, that sounds like it, a movie, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, but, and really bringing that to existence. I think that there, it's even more important to be really thinking yeah. creatively right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that artists and innovators, our process thrives off of constraints. Mm. That's the whole key. And so as the world is, is contracting and expanding and all of these things, we understand how to move through that because, um, we're con you know i watched this documentary actually yesterday about how pixar was started and it just reminds me of this conversation because so much of the development of the style of animation had to do with the constraints of the technology like why they all look so square and why toy story was the first pixar movie was because 
um, the technology could only make things like move in this very specific type of way. They couldn't get like the full range of like a human, you know, gesticulating and all of that, um, which obviously they can now because the technology has advanced. But to me, that was just like so incredible. Like, wow, this is what the choice of story, the style of animation, everything that we think is so calculated, it's really not. It's really just human beings like getting creative around constraint. And that's, if you can foster that in yourself and others, I think that's the key. Yeah. 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 No, I was just going to say in some ways constraint is actually kind of a catalyst for creativity. Yeah. Um, because we all, I mean, maybe this is something we experience more on the production side of things. Yeah. The client who doesn't know what they want. Right. I mean, it, that, that almost is scarier to me to navigate mm-hmm. as a content creator than somebody who's like, I don't like this. I don't want that. And working mm-hmm. within those limitations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's even the advice that we give to our artists when they're negotiating their price point, you know, start by getting your client to tell you the budget limitations so that yeah. you get that out of the way and you work within those limitations yeah. to work for you I mean there's a lot of entrepreneurial responses that we can we can have to those limitations so mm-hmm. um or like use limitation actually as something to your benefit well I feel like also all of the art that's been coming out during um the lockdown and the quarantine has been so appreciated and special and it is appreciated because of the constraints and I hope that even when we, you know, if and when we go back to normality, whatever that means, that people are still impressed with the constraints. People are still accepting of, you know, the constraints, especially, you know, managing a, uh, a musician and seeing how impressed everyone is with his work, even if it wasn't like recorded in, you know, the top recording studio, even if it is a little DIY, it sounds a bit rough. That's okay because the talent is there and, you know, it still makes you feel something. Mm -hmm. I feel like we hopefully have less of a tolerance now for, you know, I'm not interested unless it had a, you know, $100,000 budget. I'm not interested unless it was shot on an Alexa you know and so so many videos that i used to watch like pre-quarantine where i'm looking at it and i'm like this is so beautiful because your camera and your budget obviously is really high but the actual content that i'm watching is not that impressive Mm -hmm. and i feel like the quarantine so many things yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's so many things yeah (laughs) i feel like the quarantine like kind of flipped that basically Mm -hmm. well that's where like we kind of I like the term like COVID is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not the gift that you thought you wanted, but like it's getting us to maybe a different type of result, mm-hmm. right? Or allowing things that were us to see the beauty in things, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's allowing us to have time to actually build the kind of content that we want or mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, you know, like someone's iPhone photo is on the cover of Vogue, like, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, dismantling the perfection hierarchy, I think, is yes. really important as yeah. well. I mean, it's why everybody romanticizes about vinyl or the way things used to be recorded, right? Because there's a humanity about it. And here we are, like, coming back to those things because we have to. But I think that the reason why people are impressed or relate to Kamau's work being something that's done in the living room is like, oh, I could do that. Exactly. And that's yeah. also a very powerful that's thing. That's very important, like, that... It, it yeah. opens up the invitation, I think, for people to participate yeah. um, and to do it for more than just like, this is my career. This is how I'm going to like get the following. This is how mm-hmm. I'm going to get this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, 
Allegra, something that I'd love to do maybe for like the last few minutes is talk about, you know, the work that um, CSI is doing yeah. for anybody that's watching and wants to get interested or involved because the institution that you work for and also the work that you do personally, Allegra, I think is incredible. And um, for those of you who are watching who are artists, maybe from our community, or those of you who are watching and are interested in social entrepreneurship, and maybe you have an idea that you've always wanted to pursue and COVID is the time that you actually have to really focus on it. What are some things that they can do to get involved with the CSI's community? such a good question i mean like everyone else we're completely shifting how we operate because so much of our um kind of center was <laughs> literally out of the space um and so uh certainly if you are interested in membership um you can contact me and it's what that means in this moment is um you know, we have these new peer-to-peer -peer discussions that we're doing that are called challenge labs, um, where we literally just, you know, learn from one another in groups. Um, we have that marketplace concept that I was telling you about, this 2D kind of like world. Um, we have a mentorship program that we're building out. So many things that are kind of in those beginning stages of being built. And I think, you know, we had kind of spoken about this earlier, is that like the exciting thing about joining an organization or becoming a member of something is that truly like, I think everyone is open to these ideas like well what's your idea like no one no one is this is so unprecedented that no one is like call the expert like there is no expert so you have to just everybody that has kind of been democratized a bit and um so i think it's just if you're interested in kind of being a part of a community of people who are constantly reimagining um the future that's a great reason to you know come and, and check out what we're doing at CSI. And um, I think for us and for me personally, the first key, and we talked about this, is it's not about like translating what once was into a digital world. Like it's about understanding that what once was is no more and creating something new. And so that's like what I'm really interested in doing on a personal and professional and artistic level. And if there are other people who are interested in that too, holler at me. Yeah, no, that's so important. I feel like everyone's like, well, when we go back and it's yeah. like, wait, why are we so stuck on what was back there? Yeah. And it was like really hard for people to really be like, okay, well, like, have kind of a blankish slate yeah. to kind of imagine something different. But I mean, that really, really brings hard. it full circle, you know, because at the end of the day, the people that are most adaptable are the ones that live inside of creativity, live yeah. inside of adaptation. Yeah. And that's really where the artist's skill is something that we want to invite into yeah. the world of other people who maybe feel like they don't have the right or authority to consider themselves artists. And you don't have to consider yourself a full-blown artist to take advantage of the artistic process, learn from it. Well, being an respond. artist, like even we spoke about about this with Andrew like being an artist is a way of thinking yeah it's, absolutely it's, it's a not, lens you know, and that's yeah. the thing it's that not a people, product like I would say to any artist is like that lens is so valuable and sometimes you don't see it because obviously oftentimes artists are like hanging maybe with other artists but when you get in outside of that world of normality of thinking in those ways um the broader world is going to need us. <laughs> they do not know how to navigate this. And mm -hmm. so that is the just the reality. Like I think the value of the artist, hopefully like in a tangible sense, like the dollars and just the support of being able to live will follow those things. But on a more abstract level, like artists always lift things from 
destruction. We always do. And so um, there's no way around the fact that like things are going to be incredibly different. I encourage everybody, Deloitte, I don't know if I already told you uh, about this, but Deloitte just put out a report about um, the future of uh, philanthropy, but it, it it's so relevant for even if that's not your future, like it's relevant for artists, it's relevant for anyone's, but, but they basically like based on research built out four different scenarios of like how things could move forward. And then they build out these kind of almost like exercises of how you can put your business through or your artistic practice or whatever it may be through these different scenarios to understand its resilience. Because we don't know like what the future is going to hold, they've really built this um, cool framework to think through some of the things, but it's like, there's no scenario in which things go back. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we'll definitely have to find um, that exercise and link mm -hmm. it in the caption. I think that would be really resilient for everybody to do. And I also think it's why larger institutions and larger corporations mm -hmm. are um, not able to pivot and respond. I mean, it's too yeah. clunky of an institution. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, my, my mom's side of the family is from uh, New Zealand and Christchurch specifically went through a lot and lot of earthquakes back in 2010 up to, I mean, recently. And I, you know, this is a metaphor, mostly um, for how I kind of think about our business model is like the way that they are designing their cities now are to assume that an earthquake is going to happen. Yeah. And so you create flexibility in the structure. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think that that's something that um, that's why CSI and Holy Rod on some level are able and have been able to pivot. It's been hard. There is a lot that has to go into yeah. making that happen. And there's a lot of sacrifice and privilege that supports that ability. You know, it's important to contend contextualize yeah. that of course however you know we all read we had a philosophy I think in our organizations that assumed a hurricane was going to happen mm -hmm. but to be honest for those of us who are you know working with um communities that are economically disenfranchised or marginalized we were already inside of a hurricane before COVID yeah. and so I think for these larger corporations who were living really well and we're benefiting from sort of the post-industrial revolution neo-capitalist structures are those of us, are, are the organizations that are struggling right now. And mm -hmm. so you're right. I mean, will they go through that Deloitte exercise and realize that the people need, they need to speak with are not, you know, people with MBAs who are learning about bottom lines um, mm -hmm. from the Harvard Business School model, but instead actually looking completely outside of the institutions like Andrew talks about mm -hmm. that are not only providing the problem, but are causing it in a yeah. lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So um, it's uh, all about holding true to our own value as artists and and seeing COVID as a place where it's like, you don't necessarily have to convince these larger corporations or larger institutions to come to us. It's like, we are here. If they choose, they will survive. And if they don't, maybe mm -hmm. that's arrogant for me to say, but you know, they probably won't be able to come out the other side, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, just factual. Like yeah. there are huge companies that are laying off 80% of their employees. Like they, because the thing was is like the normality was not sustainable and if anybody if you were inside of any of those hurricanes as you so beautifully described it you already knew that like you already knew like whoa like this whole thing is not gonna sustain itself yeah. and so now we're at the point where like everyone is seeing just how fragile like these systems were and it's why you see the type of civil unrest that you see it's it, it's yeah it's all interconnected. So 
it's really about thinking about systemic change and how do you, you know, and Andrew enlightened me to this because I tend to be somebody who's like, this whole process actually of COVID has enlightened me to this where like, I think if you're somebody who just wants to like, okay, let's go, like you have that thing. And sometimes it's not so much about that. Like sometimes it's about like, experiment like see what happens like see what the learnings are then like experiment again like being so like solutions oriented is like actually sometimes a hindrance mm -hmm. and um doesn't actually allow you or your work or your organization to grow in the way that it needs to and that you know there's just especially when there's so many unknowns to kind of like approach your next move in this way of like i'm not putting the weight of the world on this this is not like the future of my business this is just like the next thing i'm doing and i'm gonna see how it goes and then i'm gonna do the next thing yeah we have to go on the roads i've traveled yeah mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. to we have to go to the place that have places that haven't been explored yet because we've already over explored the <laughs> system that is right and we know it doesn't work for a majority of people so um it's important to stop looking in those same places for a solution because mm -hmm. you know it's like doubling back on beating a dead horse you don't need to it's not there yeah. it's not there yeah. Yeah. um but i think it's much easier for people again who have been on the fringes who have had to respond who have been in fight or flight uh, and 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 faced adversity like we just have a lot more of exercise of that muscle and so to uh it, we need to do some internal work i think in our communities and i'm speaking for myself here where i don't see adversity as something that i have to like you know pretend that i am facing it's it's something that i think is a superpower on some level you know mm -hmm. it's um probably easier for me to say that than others on some level but at, at, at the end of the day what i hope is that society actually does start valuing people's experience over valuing their education exactly yeah exactly right because their education is not necessarily helping right now um yeah. and what was that tweet which was like n normalized having people on panels who have actually experienced what you have spent you know the last 20 years like studying, studying. yeah, yeah. You there's know, there's a gap between the institutional education of something and the reality of the application of the knowledge or being inside of it and so um you know that's what we do right. as artists we storytell and almost in an ethnographic way we're very much inside of our ex own experiences and so um you know the partnership between csi and holy rad really is about bridging that gap between artists innovators entrepreneurs and um problem solvers you know mm -hmm. and inviting people into the uh, inviting artists into the scientific process and inviting entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and, and sort of science scientists on some level into the artistic um, process in the other direction. So, um, yeah, I mean, Camilla's happy about it. Yeah, uh, she's <laughs> just, she wants to be involved. I know we've like not talked about it this whole time, but like people <laughs> yeah. on the podcast are probably like, is anybody else like yeah. over? Um, we have yeah. to wrap up anyway. But um, yeah, Allegra, where can, where can people, um, where can people find you? Yeah. Where can, where, how can they reach out? Yeah. Um, you can find me on the gram at <laughs> allegra.bloom. That's my handle. Um, and you can email me um, at allegra at socialinnovation.org if you just want to get connected, if you want to work artistically, if for whatever reason you just want to chat about things again anything that we reference in the podcast we'll make sure to link in the caption or the description wherever you're listening to us um and if you are signed up to our newsletter or you're a holy rad member you will get an email from us pretty soon yep. but um yeah allegra we love talking yeah, with you yeah you're the best you're the best it's been <laughs> so wonderful with you yeah. ladies it's always so invigorating and um 
Yeah. Hopefully yeah. the next time we speak will be in person in the city. Um, if not, maybe virtually in that 2D sh- space. Yeah. Sounds yeah. cool. I know. It's like, when was the last time we actually went shopping? I can't even remember. Um, but no, that sounds wonderful. And um, for those of you that are um, listening in now, um, please go to our link in our bio. You can find all of our podcasts on our Twitch channel or you can subscribe to our YouTube. Um, and then you can always apply to be a member and get all of these notifications constantly from us all of the time. <laughs> um, so thank you again so much, Allegra. Thanks, we Allegra. really appreciate Allegra. it. Um, I'm sure we will have a conversation on camera again soon. Uh, but um, yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much. This is such a pleasure and um, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.